Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30, and also verses 36 through 43. I want to talk to you tonight about the farmer and his field. The farmer and his field. There are very few things that are more beautiful than a field of crops, whether it's a, a field of peas, a field of corn, a field of wheat. There's something about that smell, something about the, the neat rose, something that makes the sun shine a little brighter. How does a field become so beautiful? Well, it takes a lot of skill, a lot of sweat from the farmer. Maybe you heard about the politician recently that spoke to a group of college students and this is what he said. He said, I could teach anybody, even people in this room, to be a farmer. You dig a hole, you put a seed in, you put dirt on top, and you add water, and up comes the corn. Well, you know, even a city boy like me knows there's more to it than that. Farming involves diligence. It involves hard work, knowing how to work the soil, knowing how to deal with the different weather. But there are a few things more beautiful than a farmer in his field. And I think maybe that's why Jesus uses this image to describe the kingdom of God. Tonight, I want to invite you to take a closer look at one of his farming stories, the parable of the farmer and his field. Our text is Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 through 30 and verse 36 through 43. Read along with me. Beginning in verse 24, <clears throat> excuse me, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first, gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Skip down to verse 36. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Would you pray with me? Jesus, while you walk this earth, you preach to so many people. You preach the gospel. You taught them how to know God, how to live for God. And Lord, help us remember that tonight you still speak. You 
you have something to say to us, uh, not in a physical voice, but in your word and by your spirit. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Give us a heart full of love that comes from you and help us to give back to you a love and adoration that you so richly deserve. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. One of the things I find so amazing about the parables is their simplicity. Uh, They're not complicated stories. You don't have to be a farmer to understand this particular story. You know something about growing things. You know something about weeds. Jesus weaves these simple things into this parable about the kingdom of God. And I want to break it down into a simple outline. First of all, the farmer sows his field. The farmer sows his field. Someone once asked a student in New York City, where does bread come from? And he looked at them like they were crazy. He said, bread comes from the store. Well, that is where you buy bread, but that's not where bread comes from. Bread begins with wheat seeds. And somebody has to sow those seeds in the field. Without the sower, without the planter, there's no wheat. Without the wheat, there's no bread. Well, Jesus begins his parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Now, in this parable, several uh, images that are meant to represent something else. For instance, um, the one who sows the good seed, the farmer, Jesus tells us in verse 37 who that is. He who sows the good seed is the son of man. Jesus is given many names in scripture, the bread of life, the lamb of God, the good shepherd. Add this one to the list, the faithful farmer. Well, what does the field represent? The field, Jesus says in verse 38, is the world. Like a farmer scattering seeds, planting seeds, Jesus scatters and plants his good seeds in the, in the world. What does the good seed represent? Well, verse 38 tells us, The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. Everyone who is a child of God is the good seed. He plants them. He scatters them all over the world. Now, if you and I are the good seed, that means you are not where you are by accident. You don't just randomly live where you live. You don't work where you work. You don't go to school where you go to school by chance. If you're a child of the kingdom, you've been planted. You've been sown. Now, it doesn't mean you can never relocate because the faithful farmer not only knows how to plant, he knows how to transplant. But it does mean that you are where you are in this world. You are where you are in this moment of history because he puts you there. How did I get where I am? He planted me here. He reserves the right to locate me. But until he does, I have to remember that I'm exactly where he wants me to be. Now, that can either be encouraging or it can be discouraging. It can be encouraging to know that uh, Jesus has put me where I'm at in this period of time to do his will and to do uh, glorious things for him. But it can be discouraging is when you don't like where he's planted you. You may want to stay in the sack instead of being strewn over the field. I think the disciples felt this way. Just before Jesus went to heaven, Acts 1-8 says, you shall be witnesses to me. Listen, in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Well, the disciples get as far as Jerusalem, and they stop. They kind of settle down. And Jesus has to break up their huddle. 
In Acts chapter 8, verse 1, it says, At that time a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem. Listen to what he says. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. That didn't just happen by accident. Jesus used persecution to scatter his seed across the field. You and I are not saved to merely hole up and wait for heaven. You are saved to spread the gospel to the world, to your world, to the people closest to you, the people you come in contact with, through missions to other countries, other cultures. The farmer expects you to bloom where you're planted. Now, some of us don't like that. Some of us might beg the farmer for a transfer. Maybe you've said it before, Lord, I'm not happy here. I don't belong here. I'm not staying here. Let me encourage you to be careful when you pray like that. Because sometimes God gives you what you ask for. And you may end up wishing you never asked for a transfer. You are not where you are by accident. You are where you are on assignment. An assignment to be salt in a world of decay. Assignment to be light in a world of darkness. Author Andrew Murray put it this way. I am here by God's appointment, in his keeping, under his training, and for his time. The farmer sows his field. Second thing I want to bring to your attention is the farmer grows his field. Many years ago, there was a company that set out an envelope with mustard seeds in them. And inside the envelope was a letter that said this. If you have a faith as small as this mustard seed in our product, whatever it was, you are guaranteed to get excellent results and be totally satisfied. Well, a month later, the one recipient writes back to the company and he says, you'll be very interested to know that the mustard seed you sent me has grown into a very healthy tomato bush. Well, farmers don't make that kind of mistake. They, they plant corn, they expect to see corn stalks. They plant wheat, they expect to see grain. They expect growth. Verse 28 says, when the grain had sprouted and produced, <clears throat> when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop. Imagine how disappointing it would be to put all that work, have nothing to show for it. Well, this farmer has a bountiful crop, large crop, but he still has a problem. Look in verse 25. While men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. Tares, weeds, planted by an enemy. Who is this enemy? Verse 39, Jesus says, the enemy who sowed them is the devil. As surely as Jesus scatters and plants his people, the devil also scatters and the devil also plants. Verse 38 says the tares are the sons of the wicked one. Verse 41 says they are those who practice lawlessness. Farmer's fields is corrupted. It's, it's full of all these weeds. And so the field hands come to him and say, well, we've got, we got a problem. What are we going to do about it? And they ask him, do you want us to go and gather them up? Do you want us to go and pull out the weeds and the tares? And in verse 29, he says, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the, 
uproot the wheat with them. Verse 30, let both grow together. Jesus allows the sons of the kingdom and the sons of the devil to share the same field. Matthew 5, 45, he says, he makes his son rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Both groups enjoy the same rain. Both groups enjoy the same sunshine. In fact, sometimes they live so close together, it's kind of hard to recognize them, kind of hard to tell them apart. But there is a way. There's a certain way you can tell the wheat from the tares, and that's because they are different in character. In Luke chapter 6, verse 44 and 45, Jesus says, For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Look, listen very carefully. The difference is not what they look like. The difference is who they are. You and I live in a world of people who do not know Jesus. Now, they may say they do, and they may think they do, and they may know a lot about him, but they are not children of the kingdom. You can tell by their character. You can tell by how they live. But there are no halos identifying us as Christians either. There are no horns marketing, excuse me, marking sinners as servants of the devil. There is only one way to tell the difference, and that is by our character. Who we are always shows up in how we live. The farmer takes a risk here. It's possible for the tares to choke out the wheat. That's why the enemy sows the seeds. That's a warning to you and I. We cannot allow the weeds to choke us out. We cannot allow the weeds to make us just like the sons of the devil. Jesus calls you to live in this world, but he also calls you not to be of this world. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world. Do not let it press you into its mold. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's a legend among the Native Americans about a brave who finds an eagle's, eagle's egg. He puts the eagle egg into the nest of a prairie chicken. All his life, the eagle thinks that he's a prairie chicken. He scratches in the dirt for seeds, seeks insects to eat. He clucks and cackles, only flies just a little ways off the ground. One day he looks up in the sky and he sees a magnificent bird above him. Talks to one of the prairie chickens. He says, what a beautiful bird. What is it? And the chicken says, well, that's an eagle. The chief of the birds. But don't give it a second thought. You will never be like him. And so the eagle who's made to soar in the skies is earthbound. His destiny has been choked out. The point here is not for you to look at other people and decide, are, are they wheat or are they tares? The point is to ask yourself, am I a child of the kingdom? How do you tell if you're a child of the kingdom? Don't listen to your words. Don't just listen to words. Look at how you live. The farmer grows his field. The wheat with the weeds. 
But then comes the day of separation. The farmer mows this field. The goal of the farmer is not just to produce a beautiful field. The goal is to reap the harvest. Verse 30 says, let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first, gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. At the right time, the workers will cut both down, the wheat and the tares. And the tares will be good for nothing but burning, and the wheat will be precious enough to be stored in the barn. Jesus explains the imagery here. He says the reapers are his angels. The harvest is the end of the age, the day of judgment. His angels will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, all things that lead people into sin. All those who practice lawlessness, who act as if there is no right and wrong. We'll cast them into the furnace of fire. They'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. They'll be thrown into the fires of hell. It's not just a place of heat. It's a place of eternal torment. On the other hand, the sons of the kingdom have a different destination. They'll be gathered into his barn. They will shine with the reflected glory of God. The harvest will be a nightmare for some. But for others, it will be a dream come true. Why is this mention of the harvest so important? Let me give you two reasons. Number one, to show us how urgent it is to rescue people from the fire. Someone once joked with C.S. Lewis about a tombstone they saw and chiseled on the tombstone was, here lies an atheist, all dressed up and no place to go. And Lewis said with a very serious face how he wishes that were true. Hell is a real place. There are real people there right now. Some people you know will one day be there. Are you doing anything to change that? Are you doing anything to warn them? Fires of hell are not just meant to scare sinners. They're meant to motivate the saints to share the gospel. General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, believed as he trained his soldiers, his young men, he said, I wish that I could hold them over hell for just a few minutes. If I could hold them over hell for just a few minutes, there'd be no problem motivating them to try to lead sinners to Christ. The more you and I are convinced of hell's reality, the more urgently You do all you can to prevent anybody from going there. But this parable is not just about the doom of hell. It's about our hope of heaven. We live in this world right now, but Jesus says we won't always. We won't always live in the world as it is. He will come for us. He will bring us where he is and we will shine with God's glory, without sin, without tears, without trouble, without fear, without doubt, and doubt, and even without death. Every single one of us lives in the farmer's field. You either live as a tear, a weed, or you live as wheat. In this field, he is sowing, he is scattering and planting. He's placed you where you are for a reason. He is growing you, helping you thrive 
in the midst of a broken, dangerous world. He's helping you become more like Jesus. One day the farmer will be mowing and he will separate the weed, the wheat from the weeds. It'll be the great separation between heaven and hell. Our job is not to figure out who is who. Our job is to do all we can to warn those who are not ready. And then remember, we look forward to that glorious day when we will shine with the glory of our Father. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, please work in us. Plant the seeds of your word deep in our hearts. Let them grow to produce a harvest of holiness. Remind us that you have sown us in this world, that we are not where we are by accident. Remind us that you are growing us to become like Jesus. Burn in our hearts the reality that one day you will come and reap your field. And let that urge us, let that push us, let that motivate us to seek the lost, to win souls that they won't have to go to this terrible burning hell. We can rejoice in your precious name, for it is in that name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, Please continue to pray for one another. Please continue to pray for our nation and our leaders, especially pray that uh, the Lord will be merciful and bring this virus to an end. Remind you once again to reach out to one another, calls, emails, however you can. If you need anything, please feel free to call the office or call me at 256-702-4899. And let me remind you to be faithful in your giving. Um, The church is only supported as you are faithful to God in giving your tithes and offerings. And I just pray that you'll do that. You can either drop it by the church or send it in the mail. But uh, let me encourage you to be faithful. Also ask you to be with us again this Wednesday night at 630 for our weekend, excuse me, for our midweek service. The Lord be with us all. Stay safe and have a great week. Her and her family. Is she using a phone? One problem they have is their lack of internet. Well, that's, I told them we had to go to RG's because it made it look wavy and skipped. So I, I did the best I could. Looking so big, because I am big. Well,
Well, they It should be able to. We got high. I do. We have a high resolution. What will be the problem with leaving that where it is right now? I think so. Somebody just pulled up. Like pulled up, pulled up? Yes. I don't know. That might, is it a gray Jeep? No, it's a white something.
What's that? In the past 48 hours, the number of deaths has doubled. I was that countdown may have been stressing you out. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. We'll make it more us and leave the countdown off. We're not seeing like our churches. Thank you. 